This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Back at all, just a couple Sundays ago, we had people in the balcony that were coming back, so I believe that'll happen again. I can tell you this, we're doing our best to make it safe around here for you to come and bring your families, but I believe with all my, we're just going to trust Jesus, okay? We're just going to believe God it's going to be well. Well, I'm glad to see all of you here today. The goodness of God. Uh, if you got a Bible, go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 1. We'll go Galatians 1 and then Galatians 3. I'm going to be here on the Word of God, okay? And one of the reasons I want to highlight this, um, I, I don't care your age in here. If you're young or old, really, really listen to this right now. Stay with the Word of God, okay? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. God's word is the forever word of God. And so I highlight this because I believe the word of God has already started to be altered. And again, if we're not careful, we get where we don't want to preach about anything objectionable, anything controversial. And so um, just letting you know a little bit here this morning. You know, I run on about six gears. The first service, I only got to about the second gear. And so I'm, I'm going for all six gears on this one. And so I welcome you to say amen. I welcome you to get involved with this, okay? Because this is the word of God for us. So we begin Galatians 1, verse 6. I marvel. Now this is the apostle Paul. I'm, I marvel. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I'm bewildered. I'm astonished that you are turning or straying away so soon that you've departed, you've deserted so soon from what? From him, from Father God who called you in the grace to a different gospel. The, the passion says you now embrace a distorted gospel. The new living says a different way that pretends to be good news. The amplified says you are transferring your allegiance to a different gospel. Let me give you a little insight. There is no different gospel. There's only one. And so the apostle Paul, he's writing to these believers in the church of Galatia, and he says, I'm shocked that you're jumping off ship already. Verse seven, which is not another. In other words, there's not another gospel. There's only one. But there are some who trouble you. How do they trouble you? And they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to distort the gospel. They want to deliberately twist the truth. And what I found in this life, twisting the truth sometimes is harder to, to see than an actual lie because it's camouflaged. And so he gets in here and says... They're trying to change the gospel. I believe that's happened. Anytime we start trying to alter the Ten Commandments, anytime we try to shove what man thinks down people's minds and their hearts. But think about this. This is the Bible right here. We are not to add to it. We're not to take away from it. We're not subtract it. We're not to repackage it. We're, we're, we're not to try to refashion it. And so oftentimes we have this thought, the gospel of accommodation. We're supposed to make everybody happy. 
Well, you're going to find out real quick today, if that was the truth, Paul and the Lord Jesus both missed it incredibly. So this gospel of accommodation, many times as believers, we, we don't want to be rejected. We, we don't want to be con- confrontational to people. We want everybody to like us. We want to be popular. Let me give you a little insight. You're going to live by the word of God. You're going to get whacked some, okay? Because we live in a society that more and more is altering from the word of God. Verse 8. But even if we, me or you, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that what we preach to you, let him be accursed. If I speak anything contrary or different, let me be accursed. Do you know that word accursed means you're devoted to destruction. You're doomed to eternal punishment. Now this is how serious he he means what he says. Now watch verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you've received, let him be accursed. He repeats himself again. I believe, you know why the apostle Paul was doing this? He wanted us to get it. That this is such a big deal because if, if we try to preach another gospel, we, we downplay the redemptive work of what Jesus did. And on a more serious note even, we mess with people's eternity. Hmm. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men? Do I manipulate men? Or do I look to God? Or do I seek those to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So he's saying, don't compromise because you teach people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. Ooh, there's a few amens. Thank you. So you know what? It'd be easy for me to come in here every week and give you a bunch of Skittles and jelly beans and Twinkies. But you know what happens if we ate that every day of our life, our physical body would begin to break down? And so even with the Word of God, there's days you really need asparagus. You really need broccoli. You really need carrots. You need the meat of the Word of God. And so I believe right here the Apostle Paul, he was, he was telling us you got to get a hold of these things. You know why I believe he's telling us this? Is because over and over the Apostle Paul would say, these things were written for our example. In other words, you better learn from this. What I find out many times within the Bible, history repeats itself. Things reemerge. They come back around. This is what's going on. Turn two chapters, Galatians chapter 3, just verse number 1. Now listen to his words. This is the Apostle Paul again to the church, the believers at, at Galatia. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, silly or thoughtless Galatians. Why are you acting so foolish? What has happened to you? And it's like he's saying, you're a person who's not using his mind. Now, 
just think about this. If the apostle Paul came in here today and said, oh, foolish Lubbockites, or foolish faith Christian family church people, many of us would get, and excuse me for saying it, we'd get all butthurt. Who is he to tell us we're foolish? But yet this is what he says to these believers, and I believe you know what he's saying? Wake up. Wake up. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell upon you? Who has clouded your thinking? Now listen to what he says. That you should not obey the truth. And so the reason he's telling me he's foolish is because they've gotten away from the truth of the word of God. And you, you take the Galatians name and you put our name in there. I'm telling you, when we begin to deviate from the truth of the word of God, You want to see a society that becomes a mess? He goes on to say, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. So he was saying, because you're consuming stuff on your plate that you don't even realize how harmful it is, and on top of that, you've diverted your eyes from the cross from the Lord Jesus. Man, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. You know why? I can't come to any form of perfection in my life off of my own abilities and my talents. You're not going to do it. You've got to have Jesus. I've I, I got to stay under the blood. I've got to stay under the broken mind. I've got to stay under the cross. I've got to stay with it. And so when he talks about this, I have the thought, how does this apply to the time we live in right now? How, how easy is it to be deceived or confused? And I believe part of this is the bombardment of digital services called social media. Let me get a little deeper. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest. Listen, I'm not saying it's all evil. But with the, the internet like it is, Everybody has a voice. We're live streaming all day, all day. So let me just give you a little nugget here. Just because someone has a voice doesn't mean it's truthful. I see more and more on social media that people can repackage themselves in a way that you think, wow, they're incredible, but the Lord Jesus said you'll know people by what they say on social media. That's not what he said. He said, you'll know people by their fruit. You'll know people by their fruit. I would highly recommend, look at the fruit of people's life. And I'm not talking about for a week or two weeks. I'm talking about long term. Well, you know, we're going to talk about marriage. We're experts on marriage. Well, how long have you been married? A year? Well, yeah, you're an expert. You got it all down. I'm going to talk about marriage. Well, tell me your credentials. Well, I've been married or married and divorced four times. So you're good at telling people not what to do? So again, when I begin to see what he's talking about, so he was saying here, your, your minds are clouded. You, you've got this spell over you. So in Romans 12, verse 2, the apostle Paul said this. He said, 
Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be shaped, don't be molded by the ideas or the opinions of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word of God. I've got to get in the word and start thinking in line with the word of God. And so what happens when I renew my mind to the word of God, when I hear a person say this, I realize that doesn't line up with the word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, you know what you better do? Expel it. Get it out. And so what he's talking about here, there must be a total reformation of the way I think. Think in line with the word of God. And Pastor, you are preaching incredible. Go with me to the last book of the New Testament, Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2. Now, I, I don't spend a lot of time in the book of Revelations. Not that I don't believe in Revelations, but it's a lot of shadows and types. And so what begins to happen off of that, you'll get people that will talk about, well, are you pre-tribulation or post-tribulation? And some people will say, well, where do you stand on that, Pastor? Well, I'm pan-tribulation. I believe it's all going to pan out in the end, okay? I can't change what's going to happen in time. Actually, the Lord Jesus said to the disciples in Acts 1, he said, fellas, you don't know the times or the seasons. So you know what I believe he was saying? Don't waste your time trying to figure out when I'm coming back, okay? I'm coming back. So my highlight of Revelations, I like to read Revelations chapter 2 and Revelations chapter 3 because the Lord Jesus himself, he writes to seven churches. And I believe the letters to these seven churches are ongoing applications for the church, but even more so for me and you personally as believers. So as I begin to look at all these, what the Lord Jesus does to all seven churches he commends them. It's like he pats them on the back and says, you guys are getting down in this area. And then he criticizes them or he corrects them. And then he goes back and he teaches them or instructs them. And then he always ends with a promise. If you'll do this, better stated, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I can look around the room. Every one of you ain't got ears. Some of you got big ears, some of you got little ears, some of you got dirty ears. Wash your ears. The question here wasn't, do I have ears? The question, what am I doing with the Word of God? So I start studying these churches numerous times, numerous times, and periodically I stumble with stuff, little wordings that get my attention real quick. So the first church we're looking at is the very first one, uh, Revelations 2, and start with me in verse 5. This is the church at Ephesus. And I highlight this again, guys. This is the church. The church. Okay? Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember how you've fallen. We go back to what the apostle Paul said. I, I'm, I'm shocked that you guys have strayed so quickly. So now he says, you've fallen. Repent, wow, repent. I believe to every church, the seven churches, every one of them will have repent in there. You know what the word repent means? It means to confess my sin 
the things I've done wrong, ask God to forgive me, and then God, ask God to grace me that I do a 180. Do you know part of repentance is a change in my life, my actions? So he said, repent. Now watch this next thing. Repent and do the first works. Do the, go back to the first works. What was the first works? When I give my heart to Jesus. When I get born again. How did that take place? I repented of my sins and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Change me from the inside out. And so right here he's telling them, listen guys, you got to go back to first point. You got to stay with that. Stay with the cross. Or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove your lampstands. And when he said I'll remove your lampstands, he's talking about a congregation may continue to exist without being light in darkness. You know what he's saying? You can continue as a church, but you're no longer light. Why? Because I've left the first works. I haven't repented. Verse 6. But this you have, or better stated, to your favor or to your credit, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, this is what got my attention, this little phrase, these guys, the Nicolaitans. And it's interesting, Jesus is commending them. He's patting them on the back, and he said, this one thing is in your favor or your credit. You hate the deeds, the behaviors, the actions, the lifestyles of the Nicolaitans. You hate the sin that they're doing. And so when I see the word Nicolaitans, it's very similar to what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20 about savage wolves. They're going to enter the church. And look how he ends verse 6. Which I also hate. Who said that? The Lord Jesus said this. The Lord Jesus said, which I also hate. Did you know Jesus hated things? He hated sin. Let me clarify something that was just said right there. He said, I hate the deeds. He didn't say he hated the people. He said, I I hate the deeds of those Nicolaitans. I hate it. So what would happen if we begin to our life and say, Lord, I love what you love and I hate what you hate? Because right here, he's commending the church at Ephesus and he said, I applaud you, boys. Now, go with me to chapter 2, verse 12. And you've got a thought right here. And I'm going to come back to the Nicolaitans because this plays in here again. And so what will begin to happen, you'll begin to see I kind of get a little idea of where pastor's thought life is going right here or his thought pattern. Chapter 2, verse 12, and above verse 12, it says the compromising church. The compromising church. I don't know that I want to be the compromising church. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos or Pergamum, write, 
These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. The other place in the New Testament where the, new, the sharp two-edged sword is mentioned is Hebrews 4.12. We were there a few weeks ago. The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the truth of the word of God. So within the truth of the word of God, this side of the sword is judgment and this side is authority of the word of God. The word's not going to change, guys. Verse 13. I know your works. I, I know how you're living. Now, if Jesus is telling these people at the church of Pergamum, he would look down at us and he would say the same thing. I see your works. I see your deeds. Keep reading. Where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Where Satan's throne is. Now, it's interesting to me that in this place called Pergamum, he says this is the place where Satan's throne is. You know what that tells you? It was a very, very, very ungodly place. Actually, if you study it, it was the headquarters for four major occults. So, man, I'm telling you, there was demonic activity. It was over. Now, let me, th let me help you with the thought a little bit. If we were to describe a few cities in America that we said, that's where Satan hangs out at, tell me what that would be. You can answer. He says Houston. Vegas again. Sin City. Woohoo! What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Again, I, I think even areas of New Orleans have the, the, the witchcraft, the Mardi Gras stuff. So again, I'm, I'm trying to paint you a picture. There's this church that is in the center where the devil makes his home. It's okay. We're to be light, remember? So he goes on to say, and you hold fast to my name. In this city of darkness, you hold fast to my name. When, when, when evil's all around you, you hold fast to my name. So again, you know what he's doing? He's commending them. You hold fast to my name. You didn't desert my name. And you did, did not deny my faith. You know what I see him saying here? You stood firm. You stood firm about, against evil pressure. You stood firm when they, when they came after you. Temptations to compromise. And I wonder if they weren't getting stuff like this. Just tone it down a little, okay? Let, let's be open-minded. Sometimes you just have to get along or to go along to get along. But he noticed something about him. He said, man, you stood with my name and you didn't deny the faith. And watch what he says here. Even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. This is the only place in the Bible where I can find this guy named Animus, Antipas. Jesus himself said, that's my faithful martyr. That's my boy. Now, when I read this passage here, 
I've never had my life threatened for the name of Jesus. I've never had anyone say to me, "If, if you don't deny the name of Jesus, if you don't deny the lordship of Jesus then I'm going I'm to blow your head off. Let, let me ask something right now. Has anyone in this room ever faced that persecution? Have you? We got it pretty good as Americans. We think persecution is when we go to the restaurant and pray over our meal that everybody's watching us. And then we pray the, the, the pirate prayer. We keep one eye open looking around. Who's watching me? You know, I had a good friend that went to Bible school with me. He was half Russian, half Polish. And he went into the the Soviet Union. And he began to have revivals in the underground church. And one night he was speaking to a bunch of believers and all of a sudden the back door opens. And the KGB comes in with machine guns. And the leader of it comes on the platform and says, anyone right now who will deny the name of Jesus and get up and walk out of here will let you go free. Over half of them got up and walked out. He waited a few minutes and said, last chance. If you'll deny the name of Jesus and walk out, you will spare your life. Another half of them went. After they left, he said to the rest of his guards, he said, shut the doors. And then he laid his machine gun down and he said to Rudy, he said, now preach to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanted real believers who are here that would tell me the truth. I thought, wow, this guy was martyred. This guy was martyred for the name of Jesus. Verse 14. Again, he commends them, but now he gets over to correcting them. And he says, but I have a few things against you. I got a few things against you. Now listen, guys, this is the Lord Jesus. And he says, because you have there those who hold the doctrines of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And what was the stumbling block? To eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, if you'll notice a couple things there, what he said, he said, this is what I got against you, that the church of Pergamum, you're allowing people to come in there with the doctrine and the teaching of Balaam. You know what that means? It's okay to have an idol. It's an okay to be in sexual sin. It's okay to be a stumbling block. You've taught people it's okay to live however you want. Now, if you were to study this passage here, it's all in the book of Numbers chapter 25. So I'm going to paraphrase it for you real quickly, okay? This guy named Balaam, was a, he was a false prophet. He was a knucklehead. All he wanted was money. And so this king named Balak said to him, I'll give you money if you'll curse the Israelites. So he tries and he tries, but he can't. And he ultimately he says, I cannot curse what God's blessed. I can't do it. Even though I want to, I want to, but I can't do it. So you know what he says? Since I can't curse them, 
we'll get them to curse themselves. And he said, you know how we do that? We bring in a bunch of women. And you want to see these Jewish men go crazy? Let's just bring a bunch of women in. You know what? When I hear that story, things hadn't changed much. And so you know what happens? They get into idol worship. And they get into sexual sin. Now right here, the Lord Jesus says to them, your doctrine and your teaching has caused people to become corrupt. Here's what I begin to see with the passage in, in Revelations 2, verse 5 and 6. If you go back to the church of Ephesus, the Lord Jesus said, I hate your deeds. Okay, hang on to that and keep reading with me. Verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine or the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus said, which thing I hate. So he got over onto Balaam's teaching and doctrine. And now he gets over to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The teaching and their doctrine was that of sexual sin too and in idolatry. So what begins to happen is this right here. To the church of Ephesus... He said, I hate their deeds. I hate their behaviors. I hate their actions. But the church of Pergamum, he said, I hate their teaching. I hate their teaching. So what happens to us as human beings that when sin normally begins in our life, we do it in the, the private. We don't want anybody to know. But before long, if we continue to do that, we become settled with it, and it's almost like it's okay, it's part of our life. And so the seriousness of this is it's one thing when it's in our deeds and our behaviors, but it goes to a whole other level when we begin to teach that to the church. It's okay. What's the matter with a little sin as long as it's just ever now and then? And so it's amazing here that the Lord Jesus said, I hate their teaching. Why would he, Jesus say this? Because he understood what it would do to people. So you begin to see he commends them. Then he corrects them. Verse 16. Repent. Woohoo! Repent. I believe the church has done not a good job at teaching people to repent. We've almost viewed it as negative. I'm, I'm yucky. Do you know the older I get, I, I thank God for the oil to repent. Because you know what I found out? As long as I got this thing called my flesh, sometimes it acts up. And sometimes I do things that I think, man, why did I do that? But I thank God that God put a clause in there called, if you will repent, if you will confess your sins before me, I'm faithful and just to not only forgive you, but I'll cleanse you. I, I welcome that in my life. I, I love that. And again, I'm not giving you a license to sin. It, it bothers me to sin. Before I got born again, when I sinned, it didn't bother me. I kind of enjoyed it. You know what sinners do? They sin. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, 
man, I'm telling you, it wears me out to get over into areas that I think I've, I've, I've sinned. And so this is what repentance looks like. I come before you, Father God, and I ask you to forgive me of lying. I, I ask you to forgive me of, of stealing. I ask you to forgive me. You know what that means? I take full responsibility for my actions and my choices. You know what human nature is a lot of times? We want to blame others. I, I wouldn't have done that if Cameron wouldn't have made me. No. You know what true heartfelt repentance is? When I stand up and say, I blew it. I take everybody out of the equation. It was my choice to do what I did. And all that is is the robe of humility where I come before God and I'm not pride or arrogant. I'm like, Father God, I blew it again. I blew it. And so he tells the church here, repent or I else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Who was them? It was the church at Pergamon. He said, I'll fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You know what the sword of his mouth is? Judgment. God is just in his judgment. You don't want to miss next week. That's next week, okay? Some of you were saying, I was hoping you were going to get off of this. I am. Listen, I know many of you will be gone next week, 4th of July. If you're in town, don't miss next week, okay? It's the finale. If you're gone, watch on the live stream at 11, okay? So he goes ahead and says that in, in verse 16. Verse 17. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now think about this. Jesus loves the church so much, he said, listen guys, if you're out of order, I want to get you back into order. I want to help you. To the churches, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. Now listen, the only way you're going to overcome is through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way. Where's that at in scripture? That's Revelations 12, 11. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. And so what happens is when we get born again, we're washed by the blood of the Lamb. I've got to stay under the blood. I say, Lord, I welcome your blood. I wash my tongue. I wash my thoughts. I wash my heart in the blood. I just keep pleading the blood. Oh, thank you for the blood. The blood cleanses me. What can wash me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Do you know the Lord Jesus himself said this in John 16, 33? He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the first thing he says, if you'll repent, you'll come back under the blood. You'll be an overcomer. I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. You know what the hidden manna was? I believe it's spiritual nourishment. Remember when the Israelites exodus out of Egypt, what did he give them? He gave them manna. He gave them quail. He gave them water. Jesus wants to give us spiritual nourishment. He wants to bless us. Here's an interesting thought on that right there. Jesus said this. He said, I welcome you to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. That's gross, Pastor. No, that's a spiritual principle, okay? 
I, I feed on the broken body of Jesus. And I welcome his blood. Then next he says, and I will give him a white stone. And when I see the white stone, it is a vote or a voice of acquittal that I've been forgiven in a court of law. So when I come under the blood of Jesus, this is all Revelation 12, 10, the, the accuser of the brethren, you know what he does day and night? This is the Bible. He says, he accuses the brethren day and night. He goes before the throne room of God and he'll tell your name and he'll say, this is what they've done. This is what they've done. This is what they've done. But when we've repented of our sin and we come under the blood of Jesus, then Father God, who's the great judge, he looks and he says, bring in the key witness. And the Lord Jesus comes walking in and Father God says, show me the evidence. And he lifts up his shirt and he shows the stripes on his back. And Father God takes the gavel and goes, innocent. I'm innocent. Not because of me, because what Jesus did. So in the court of law, man, I, I got an advocate named Jesus. You're innocent. Man, you, you guys should have been shouting on that one. I thank God because of the blood of Jesus. I'm innocent. Now watch this last one. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. But what would that actually mean? That I get a new name that's imputed with the character of Jesus. Let me help you with that a little bit. This is a good one. When you get born again, according to 2 Corinthians 5, it says that any man that be in Christ, he becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new in him. So guess what happens in the spirit realm? That old man dies. And I get a new nature. And with a new nature, I get a new name. Now, I can take you back through the Bible over and over where this has happened. Remember a guy named Simon? He gives his heart to Jesus, and Jesus says, you're no longer Simon, you're Peter. You're Peter. He takes a man named Saul, who was killing and persecuting me. He said, no, 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 no. Now that you're born again, even though you got a bad past, dude, you're no longer Saul, you're Paul. And he did it with a guy named Abram. He said, no, 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 we're going to change your name to Abraham. And he did it with an old woman named Sarah. And he said, no, no, you're long, no longer Sarah. You're Sarah. And so, I don't know what my name is, but I got ideas at times. Because this is how I used to be, and this is how I am now. And so this is the promises of Jesus. He says, listen. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to walk in the manna. I want you to walk under the white stone. I want to give you a new name. But you got to repent. You got to come to the things of God. Why don't you stand up here with me today? Man, I hope you guys are really thinking. You're awfully quiet in here. So I go back and I look at everything we said today. And you may want to bow your head for this. Have there been areas in my life where if Jesus looked at me, he'd say, Oh, foolish. Oh, foolish. Foolish, foolish, Pastor Stormy, foolish. 
know what? I'm okay with that correction. I know he loves me. What about this? What if he looked at you and said, you're bewitched. You've, you've allowed darkness to influence you. I've had darkness influence me. Jesus set me free. What about this? Do I have some actions or behaviors as a Christian that I know God wouldn't be pleased with? Have, have I left his name? Have I left the faith? Have I departed? Have I got off to some crazy false doctrine and teaching? See, again, it, it all falls back to what he said over and over. He has ears to hear. Let him hear. But repent. Repent. The greatest daily vitamin that you can take as a human being isn't a multiple vitamin, okay? It's where I repent and say, Father God, I want to live right with you. I want to live right with you. Now, I, I can read all this from these churches, and I can view this as negative, or I can look at it as positive. I look at it as positive. I look, I think, thank God he gives me the invitation to get right with it. Thank God, he said, I, I want you to be an overcomer. I want to bless you. But you play a part. And so our team. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.